Hello, and welcome to the third episode in our Women in Turf podcast series. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Turf and Rec. In this episode, we'll hear from Jennifer Lemke, CEO of The Weed Man, and Brittany Samet, Equipment Operator, Integrated Pest Management for the City of Guelph. Let's listen to this message from Cress, one of our podcast series sponsors. Cress is proud to support Turf and Rec's Women in Turf podcast series. Cress is leading the transition from gas-powered lawn equipment with the introduction of the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in battery-powered OPE. With the Cress 8-Minute Cyber System, professional landscapers can replace their messy gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. Complemented by a full line of equipment benchmarked against gas-powered products, landscapers can finally take charge and make the switch to battery. For more information, visit Cress.com. First up, here's Jennifer Lemke, CEO of The Weed Man. We started off, like I said, my dad bought his first franchise, one unit territory, absolutely like no ambition to go outside of this territory and just really build a nice family business. And and then things went really well for him. Then he expanded. He decided to go to Montreal. He continued. He had his brother working in the, the Hall franchise, his first one. He bought seven territories in Montreal, did very, very well there and that's when I met my husband in university so he approached us and said do you want to join the company I'm going to look at acquiring you know maybe people that want to sell their weed man franchise want to retire or thought their kids were going to take over and that wasn't materializing so we actually became the largest multi-unit of Des and Brenda's in Canada we started as a franchisee Things went really well for us, and we did probably back in the day about 45 acquisitions across Canada. And then, you know, one of the things when you become a large multi-unit, sometimes you start to outpace the franchisor. And because, you, you, you know, you're the first to get to a million, then two million, then 30 million, right? So you got to build these systems to be able to sustain that kind of growth because you just can't be on the front lines um, like you used to be. So when we did that, we had some really solid system in place from training to budgeting to, um, you know, tracking and all of that. And that's kind of what my dad, being a, an engineer, brought to the table and um, so we approached Des and partnered with Des while he was still alive to do Weed Man in the US. And we, you know, the first couple of years, it took us a few years to write our FDD and, and the franchise disclosure document. And we did a few test markets and realized if we were gonna be successful, we were gonna bring in Americans uh, kind of at the top level. So we did that, we re, not reorganized, but started to subdivide the U.S. into what we call sub-franchisors, and they would be charged uh, with um, selling, awarding franchises, uh, have a flagship so we could test things in their offices, as well as support. So essentially, you know, from start, the candidate raises their hand, they're interested, the sub would take them all the way through to the relationship uh, in the supporting role. And that's gone really well for us. So half of the U.S. is done through a network of sub-franchisers. It's just large geographical areas. And the other half is direct to us at Turf Holdings. And because of our success in the U.S. and Brenda, it was just kind of a natural evolution. Desa passed away. She was still there. Mike's other businesses were, were doing really, really well. So he kind of had a 
you know, a career path to continue on with the other brands. And for her, she just wanted to get out and, and get her money. Now, she's still a shareholder, but of our company. Uh, she's one on the board of directors. And, and um, yeah, so that's kind of our story. And, and we've really taken off uh, since we bought the We Man Canada we've it's been unbelievable so sorry to bore you but i thought it would be good for you to kind of get our our quick elevator speech <laughs> <laughs> but um also uh when did the weed man actually uh first venture into the u.s market so that would have been in 1995 we incorporated in 1995. okay now did you purposely um you know target the, uh, the the northern u.s states since there was maybe a familiarity uh, with the company just coming from over the border or how did you uh... yeah yeah for sure um you know the agronomics being so different in the south and um well florida being probably our last state that we really target and we just actually have a sub now in there because of the licensing and the restrictions uh california we're we're doing it um I think we're we're changing our strategy in California a little bit and doing more corporate stores in California just because of the the different laws uh, to be honest they're more like Canadian their laws so we're very comfortable in kind of their um their legislation and some of the restrictions that they put on so for for us it just kind of makes sense so we're doing that uh, as corporate stores we have a few franchisees it won't be all corporate but um we're really going to start pushing that so we just did one of our franchisees wanted to retire in fresno and we bought him out and are going to use that as kind of our jumping off point into california hmm. now how big is the weed man in the u.s right now in terms of you know, comparing it with, say, Canada in terms of number of franchises and whatnot. Yeah, so revenue-wise, we're over $220 million in the U.S., and in Canada, we're 88, almost $89 million. So just to give you kind of an idea, mm -hmm. um, we're much larger in the U.S. than we are in Canada. Um, a lot of that is, well, <laughs> the market size, obviously. Um, we've had quite a bit of consolidations because in Canada, I'm although I'm the franchisor, our company is we're also the largest multi-unit in, in Canada. So I, I wear two hats. There's our operation side and our franchising side. Mm -hmm. So that uh, um, yeah, so that's kind of the the as far as revenue and then um, unit uh, license agreements. We have 245 license agreements in the U.S. and in Canada we have 99. And then we have we have kind of a U.K. There's a little bit. It's a little bit different there. We do have a master franchisor there, but he's in the midst of retiring. So there 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 was three locations. Not sure if they're going to continue on. So we're just doing a bit of restructuring in the U.K. But I'd really like to target the U.K. So just to, I know some of our competitors do their unit territories very differently. So for us, that represents those license agreements, uh, represents 600 in the U.S., 655 territories. So a territory represents 150,000 in population. 
Um, and most of our franchisees will sign doubles or triples uh, territory. So meaning they'll buy two or three units inside their license agreement. And then in Canada, our unit counts are about 135. There's been so many consolidation. We need to audit that a little bit um, for a total of 790 unit territories across Canada and the U.S. When I was reading your nomination form, it, uh, it mentioned that uh, you're better known in the U.S., like better known personally in the U.S. than you are in Canada. So uh, how was yeah. that? Now that's interesting. Um, well, because I was, I was, I led the U.S. expansion franchising. So I used to be an operator. I ran the Weedman franchise in, I started on my dad's very first office. I did my training there for a year, a year, just over a year. And then we bought the Ottawa, half of the Ottawa franchise. And my husband and I took over that franchise. So I was in operations. But then once we started to really, so sorry, we, we took that, uh, we bought an existing business. It was like 250,000. It wasn't very big at the time. And we grew that to 2 million in six years. Then we moved to our Toronto location. We had done quite a few acquisitions just to help them out. I only was there for six months when it started to take off this new with the sub-franchise model. So my dad said, hey, do you want to do the U.S. side? So I was just focused on the U.S. I, I never really did much with Mike Kernigan. It was, I was really just focused. Although I lived in Canada and I'm a part owner in a lot of franchises in Canada, I was just super focused on the U.S. What, uh, what sort of strategies does Weedman adopt to uh, stay at the top of the lawn care market? Um, we just really work hard and it, and that seems a little bit, I don't know, um, we're very focused on our core competency and that is a lot of franchisees that are willing to do what it takes and for me the relationship that we've built with our franchisees um, is one of incredible trust. There is, I can pick up the phone and I, I mean every Thursday and Friday I'm looking at the numbers and I'm looking deep into the numbers so I know like how many doors they knocked on that week and how many people they spoke to and how many yeses they got and then how many they converted to sales and I watch pay-per-click like it's like right down to the minute number and if they're not answering the phones and and I like I'm always picking up the phone and giving them a call and saying, hey, you know what? I think there's an opportunity here. Hey, I notice your cancel rates in this section. We may want to do more quality control. So they work so hard and they know when I'm calling to say, hey, I think there's an opportunity here. Just maybe watch this a little bit more. There's just this trust. It's not like Big Brother's watching over. It's just they know that I'm not going to tell them anything that is not just going to make them more money. <laughs> I am so laser focused and that's my team too. Like we're remunerated if my franchisees do well, our bonuses are all tied to that. If they had trucks, if they had more territory, if, you know, sales different. So it's, we're very, very laser focused on the franchisees success and it just works for us. It's, it's how we, We've kind of all grown up together. It's kind of weird, but we it's a it's a family and people a lot of people say, Oh, come on, a lot of people say that. Um, we have our suppliers that 
bring their families to our conference and they spend extra time with us and you know we have most of our large suppliers when they come to Canada they come and stay at my house and so it's it's just really a family which includes our vendors and we just really believe in treating our vendors really well and our franchisees you know if they get upset with a vendor we get on the phone and you know let's let's find some middle ground and let's move forward from this and and they're just so willing to work with us and and the franchisees too so um yeah it's 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 a culture that's hard to explain the franchisees work their butts off and they know we've got their back and we're watching for all the other stuff what would you uh, describe as some of the highlights of your career there's been a few um working with my dad has been uh one of the biggest highlights because we get to work side by side um, and then take that and bring it working with my husband so he works in the business he actually takes care of all of our vendors and relationships and negotiation with the vendors he's actually at the golf show on his way to the golf show right now in Orlando um, so just working with family and then I would say from that um, to extend to my work family, I have you know six people on my staff that have been with me for 27 years plus, and I've got uh, some newer ones that have come on, some of the millennials that have been with me for 10 years, 12 years. <laughs> um, so I just I've been able to I don't know maybe it sounds corny but create this family work environment that we work really really hard but we like to play and do stuff together and and just we have we have fun and so i feel like that's a little bit of my legacy is um i just work tirelessly for other people and it just kind of comes back to me what uh, what would you say you enjoy most about your career working with people 100 <laughs> percent I also noticed, um, I guess you're the CEO of Mosquito Hero and TurfBot, and mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about those companies, because I imagine most of our readers are probably unfamiliar with that. Yeah, so we decided when we when we bought Weedman Canada, um, we had been asking to be able to add mosquito services uh, to the Weedman portfolio. and. Um, at first, it was met with challenge, um, you know, just a, a few roadblocks that, and it was just because they were unsure about the whole thing, and uh, roadblocks from Brenna and Mike, and um, so it just never kind of transpired. So when we bought Canada, I knew that I was going to have to turn my back a little bit on the U.S. I, I had to focus on Canada. It was... The brand, uh, although the same brand, it was it was a tired brand. It had been kicked in the head with the pesticide bylaws, the telemarketing bylaws. There was a lack of energy in the Weedman Canada side of things, and and they there's a lot of mom and pops, and and including our corporate offices. So, you know. I knew that I was going to have to focus and roll out a bunch of new shiny things for them. And there was going to be a lull in my focus in, in the U.S. So they had been asking for mosquito services. So as soon as we bought We Made Canada, within a month, we announced that we were going to allow them, by signing an addendum to their franchise agreement, free of charge, add this brand onto 
the weed man. Um, and at first we just, it was mosquito services by weed man. We didn't, we didn't brand it differently. And that was a mistake. It was a, a mistake to go to market that fast without really kind of thinking it through. So probably halfway through the season when I was traveling all across Canada, meeting the franchisees, making sure they understood, you know, how we did things and how we would work together moving forward. Um, I kind of turned around and I'm like, what is going on with our mosquito services? We're just not selling them. They're just kind of out there in limbo. And I started to really do some market research out there and we were up against, you know, when you're in social advertising or pay-per-click and just on the internet in general, we were up against the Mosquito Joes, the Mosquito Authority, very specific to mosquito services branding. So it was a no-brainer to just pull, continue to allow the franchisees, it was a free kind of brand, but just pull out those services and brand those. So actually when you buy a Weed Man franchise, you get two brands. You get the Mosquito Hero and you get the Weed Man. And then just building out those systems. So then we went out and rebranded, and it was funny. My dad, uh, our mascot for Weed Man is a superhero, and he's like, "Let's do a female superhero for uh, Mosquito Hair." I said, "Well, let's kind of do some focus groups and take a look at that a little closer." He goes, "Nope, this is what I want," and it just really kind of took off since then. Um, so that was that was kind of the impetus of Mosquito Hair. So if you're Weed Man, you're also uh, you have the option to offer Mosquito hero services which is um the mosquito services mm -hmm. then um turfbot um looking at opportunities you know we service over 600,000 customers residential customers across north america and how do you leverage that expertise all of those customers as well as our expertise in marketing so um we saw that Robin, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Robin Autopilot, they were in uh, the market, they came into the market with their robotics. We actually um, looked at partnering with them and we didn't end up partnering with them. We did later on, but it was just a very long story, but they are just great guys. The initial Bart and Justin, and then they've sold to Logan and Logan's wonderful, just an absolutely great guy. The, the problem with our partnership, they couldn't guarantee that they wouldn't sell their services now. It used to be a franchise in an area where we already had a franchise. And then all of a sudden we'd be in a conflict of interest. And we didn't, we never wanted to upset the apple cart with Weedman. That's not our, our goal into going into other brands. So that's why we didn't end up partnering. Um, and you know, but we're very, very friendly competitors. I, they're not even a franchise anymore. So what we've done is we've looked at areas, and it's not going to be our last brand that we're going to add. Um, we're we're looking at brands that are going to be able to again leverage our marketing expertise because we understand how to market to the homeowner, um, and also our you know over six hundred thousand customers. So Turfbot. You know, it's environmentally friendly, it's uh, low noise level, it just has a really nice feel to the, um, to the brand and we're, we're, we've launched it in 10 markets. I would consider it still in testing right now. Um, so we tapped a few franchisees, Weedman franchisees, we're only selling exclusively to Weedman because they understand our marketing, they understand our, 
our software, you know, all of the other things. The only thing we really need to train them on is the technical side. And unfortunately, the technical side has been causing us a lot of heartache. So we really this year need to be focused and our manufacturers really need to help us understand either we're doing something wrong or the robots that are coming to North America just aren't quite where they need to be for the North American market. So we're, um, we're working on that and uh, we primarily have Husqvarna as our uh, primary supplier. Okay. And they're, they're really stepping up right now to, they're going to go visit all the franchisees this spring and, and really help them in the installation and make sure let's take off the table the us problem. Maybe we did the wiring wrong. Maybe, you know, we didn't understand. So we're going to eliminate that first and then say, okay, where are the areas that we're having issues and, and let's try and look at that. And also right now, I think Husqvarna is really trying to figure out how they want to come to market. They kind of changed their their direction they at first wanted to go direct and then they are now through Robin and now it seems like they want to go back to being direct and so we've we've partnered with site one and they distribute the robots uh, for us it just they're bricks and mortar it just makes sense and they've they've done some really cool innovative things to supply us so Husqvarna is the main manufacturer we're using site one as our distributor and that's the same distributor that we mainly use for Weedman as well. So it just kind of makes sense. I did have one last question for you. And uh, what advice would you have for other women who might wish to enter this industry? Yeah, I, I do um, a lot of speaking on, on that. And so I, um, I'm in a unique position. My dad was my boss for many, many years. So I... You know he believed that women could do it right so he was a great advocate of me coming into the business and always supported me and then all everyone that we brought in it was I was there so when we brought them in there was kind of a respect of you know I was in operations I was I did all the roles you know I worked the lawns I spent a summer working the lawns I, so I, I understand the business and um, and I've never been felt belittled or anything as a woman. So maybe a little unfair, uh, my perspective to somebody just coming off the street into, into the, the business. But what I feel women um, should do is really, I don't know, like don't just expect it. <laughs> you gotta work hard. And not saying that they're not, but you can't just, well, I'm a woman, I need to be treated differently. You have to, people need to acknowledge that you're a woman and there may be things that you can and cannot do. And, and, that, and that's fine, that's a respect. I feel like the industry needs to understand we do bring a different perspective to the table. So if you have a company that's all men, bringing a woman in can add a, a little sense of, difference you know um, and allow the change to happen it you know we look at things we we may be and this is generally more creative and in certain aspects or more organized or more diligent in details and a lot of companies need that inside their company so that is something that is you know so it's something that I feel like find your space don't expect your space find it figure out where you kind of fit into the company and then just 
run with it, you know, run with it. And if somebody treats you badly, let them know it. <laughs> they treated you badly. Don't be quiet about it. But in the end, um, you want to work in somewhere that is accepting of you, that's going to challenge you. And don't take the challenges as a knock down. The challenges should be looked at like, I'm going to do this. I can do this. I can do um, what some of my other peers are, are going to do. So I don't know if I answered your question. It's a uh, yes, you did. And you answered it very well, too. Thank you. That was Jennifer Lemke, CEO of The Weed Man. Now let's listen to Brittany Samet from the city of Guelph, who is the equipment operator for integrated pest management. Just to start out, um, maybe if you can give me a little bit about your background and how you started in the industry. Okay, so um, I graduated from the University of Guelph for criminal justice, public policy. So I started working for the city of Guelph in my second year of university. And so while I was at the University of Guelph, I was on the women's rugby team for five years and ended up winning nationals our last season and just fell in love with the quality and preparations it took to get those fields up and playable every day. So I started working for the city in my second year of university and the city has opened several opportunities for my, for me. I applied, applied through the city through a LEAP program uh, the city offers every year. And so, and then I ended up, ended up at the University of Guelph for the short course program. So it was a two month, two month program. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to take the two year one, which I probably, I, I would have really liked to, but the short course was perfect for me. Uh, so not knowing anything about turf, I went in with full enthusiasm, being one of two other women in the course, which I was shocked to see at the time. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, the course was a little intimidating as I dropped all math and science in high school. So the city ended up creating an integrated pest management equipment operator position in 2019, which I applied for and I was the successful candidate for. So I've been working as the integrated pest management equipment operator since 2019 at the city. So it's a brand new position. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you could uh, elaborate a little bit more about what this uh, the IPM program is all about and uh, what it uh, strives to achieve. So right now, we're, I, uh, I take care of all the cultural practices, the overseeding, irrigation, aeration, top dressing, and then uh, I take care of the special turf down at the Guelph Lawn Bowling. <clears throat> so being a new position, I pretty much was able to make it whatever I wanted, pretty much, um, which was amazing. But then also COVID hit, so that kind of put a, a damper on things. So it's, it's really important, like the IPM program at the City of Guelph, because we have several bylaws that uh, say we're not allowed to spray. So we implemented the IPM program. Um, at the city, all of our high-use fields, so all of our sports fields, all of our um, our non non-sports fields as well. Make sure they're getting extra attention, cultural practices, making sure they're getting overseeded, fertilized, and then just making sure all my record keeping is up to date. What are some of the the, the highlights of your career so far? So definitely completing the turf short course, having having success in this male-dominated industry. Definitely. Um, being the first IPM equipment operator at the city of Guelph, winning this award, I'm very humbled and proud to be recognized by my peers and the industry. And as an upcoming turf manager, sorry, I wish I had a lot more highlights. I, uh, I still feel like I'm a kind of a rookie right now, but I, I definitely want more experience just to get, just to get that under my belt for sure. What have been some of the uh, challenges that you faced, um, 
since taking over this position? Uh, so some of the challenge I've faced, definitely limited time to get the lawn bowling prepped every morning. So we work seven to three, so it doesn't give us much time to get everything completed. Uh, so getting blowing off all the worm castings, the leaf debris. So last year specifically, like the user group had an agreement with the city to play seven days a week with start times at 10 a.m. So it did not leave us much time to do extra cultural practices. They would designate one day a month to do our spraying, dethatching, and top dressing, which is not ideal or acceptable for the health of the turf. But trying to explain that to a user group was another challenge on itself. <laughs> um, so being being an ITM operator, you learn the con that conditions change on the daily. <clears throat> Weather played a huge part in our maintenance scheduling to incorporate extracultural practices that need to get done. And throughout the last few years, staffing has been an issue as well. Um, just not having enough coverage on the weekends, um, poor scheduling, poor irrigation as we draw from the Speed River. So we're con we're constantly treating for dollar spot at like since we're drawing from the river. So we don't technically know what's we've done a few samples uh, for the water, but we don't actually know what's in that Speed River. And then that so we're constantly band-aiding, uh, band-aiding. So. We apply, we apply the irrigation and then whatever's in that water, it's probably got high fungicides. So we're constantly battling that. So and then dealing with the public, I'm in a high traffic area. So it's a high visibility. And so when I'm trying to spray or uh, applying certain pesticides there, I'm always having to explain to the public and they always have their, they always have something, some kind of input to say if they see me in a full hazmat suit. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely challenging just to deal with the user groups and trying to <clears throat> get it up and running for specific times as they they want it seven days a week from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. So it's it's definitely hard to get on there, especially when we have a lot of cultural practice or dethatching to get done. What have you enjoyed most about your career so far? Uh, I absolutely love working outdoors and having the opportunities to meet and train new staff every season. I love working outdoors and the sense of pride that I have in providing athletes and user groups the best possible playing conditions. Um, I generally want to make everyone's experience enjoyable from the spectators sitting in the stands to the players on the field. <clears throat> I love that things are constantly changing in the industry and how one season can be completely different than the next. Um, each season tends to bring new goals and challenges that I strive to succeed at. And I genuinely just love being outside every day. I don't think I could do the nine to five office job. <laughs> now you've obviously uh, have plenty of interaction with uh, with uh, with men in this position. Uh, how are you regarded by your male peers? I honestly think I'm I'm equal. The city of Guelph fosters, promotes, and embraces diversity and inclusion. So I've been serving on that committee for the last few years. And when I asked a few of my fellow co-workers how I was regarded by my male peers, I was told that I'm polite, kind, hardworking, and a ball of energy. <laughs> we have such a diverse work group spanning several different generations um, with many different attitudes and many different aspirations, many different goals. So that can be challenged to navigate at times as well. But dealing like during the summer season, which is our <clears throat> highest volume, busiest, busiest time, we usually have about 65 employees between the sports and leisure department and about 52% of that is female staff. So I don't think gender really plays like influences our department on how it operates. Yeah, so I didn't really, that question kind of threw, threw me off guard a little bit because I didn't really think I was supposed to feel different 
than a man in this industry. I thought a good worker was just a good worker. What advice would you have for other women who uh, might wish to enter this industry? I would say keep a positive and open mind. Uh, make sure you ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to take opportunities. There's endless opportunities to get involved and learn. Try to take, try not to take the easy way out. I know things can get complacent at times. And just keep challenging yourself to accomplish more. Be adaptable because everything's constantly changing. And yeah, don't take no for an answer. Just be competitive and keep going. Do you have any uh, ambition to perhaps uh, climb the ladder with the city somewhat? Uh, is, is there an opportunity to do do so? And uh, what 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 are your goals, uh, either with the, the, your current position right now, or possibly the chance to uh, you know be promoted to something else one day? I would I would definitely love to be promoted. Um, right now, I don't think I could leave the hands on the physical work. Like I I genuinely love being being in the grind of it every day um my job is is what i want to excel at so i want to i just want to make a positive difference within the city and the turf industry so to like just to continue to move forward within the corporation definitely i uh but for right now i'm i'm pretty happy with where i am i would love to lead eventually uh lead or even be a supervisor but i would not want to supervise from the desk that's for sure i would love to be a working hand Supervisor. Mm -hmm. So the transition from uh, criminal justice to turf—that's uh, that is quite a departure, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I thought for sure. I thought my whole life I wanted to be a cop, and five years, I I just I had no aspirations. I loved. I fell in love with working outside and getting a physical workout every day. So I had I did probably about five summer contracts before I was able to get on full time. But I just, I did not stop putting in for every, any position that I seen, just because I knew that this is what I wanted. Is there anything else uh, you might uh, want to share with us, either about yourself or your, your job? Is there anything of interest that uh, you think our listeners might find interesting? I would just say keep continuing to do it. what you find makes you happy and just enjoy, make sure you love and enjoy what you're doing and keep networking and making those connections within the turf industry. That was Brittany Samet, Equipment Operator for Integrated Pest Management in the City of Guelph. In our final episode, we'll hear from Tracy Fowler, Senior Assistant Golf Course Superintendent at the Hamilton Golf and Country Club, and Patricia Sloan, Spray Technician at the Kamloops Golf and Country Club. Be sure to frequently visit our website at www.turfandrec.com to learn about future podcasts.